You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Walker Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Merry Christmas, Eric. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there who celebrates the the Christmas season. uh, And I guess Merry Tuesday to everybody else. Um, (laughs) uh, It's been a few days since we last talked and talked in three games since we last uh, conversed, Eric. And of course, uh, I think we'll probably spend a lot of time today talking about the Bucks. Um, pretty easy win in uh, in MSG today. Uh, Giannis leading the way uh, past the Knicks in their first Christmas game since 1977. But um, also, uh, since we last podcasted, the high of pretty handily taking the the Celtics in Boston, followed by the low of uh, the old Miami Demons coming back in a loss, a uh, very low-scoring loss the next night uh, against the Heat. But um i'd say the last three games um i would have taken two and one you know if you gave me if you offered me that going into it i thought that was probably and i would have taken those two in that one yeah yeah it was, and it was probably like sort of the expected outcome probably because um the bucks don't lose to the same team twice so they had to beat the celtics and the celtics yep. were missing guys um so you really wanted to see them take advantage of the celtics with guys like horford marcus morris and baines out and they did just that and then on a brutal back-to-back getting in at whatever it was, 3 a.m. or getting in bed at 5 a.m. or whatever, whatever it ended up being um, uh, in I, Miami. So everything I had heard was they got there at about 4.15 and most people got to bed at like 4.30. So, Ugh. yeah. Ugly. And so not coincidentally, they score eight points in the first quarter, which was, I believe, tied for like the second worst quarter of any NBA team this this season. Um so yeah, the Bucks' normal first quarter kind of issues uh, being exacerbated, and then some. Giannis, his quietest scoring night of the season, just looked like he just bottled him up. He did not look comfortable at all. Um, but thankfully, the Bucks do not lose two games in a row, at least not so far this season. And um, they lost their last time they were at MSG. And as I said, they do not lose to the same team <laughs> twice, at least not so far this season. So um, all signs, uh, trends pointed to them, aside from obviously just being a better team than the Knicks, uh, coming out and taking care of business today. And um, not maybe in the m- most convincing fashion in the sense of, um, you know, especially offensively, they missed a ton of shots, six out of 32 from three. Um, I think Dean had some, uh, some tweets about, uh, I think this is like the, second this the first time since 2014 when the Rockets did it that a team shot 32 plus threes in back-to-back games and shot under 21 percent in both games um but uh today you know ultimately didn't matter that much they uh they defended well the Knicks are bad and um you know ultimately that that kind of won out and uh got off uh, got the 
uh, NBA's Christmas Day off to a very good start for Bucks fans. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more you could, I guess, really ask for. Um, I mean, obviously, you could have asked for them scoring like 130 and shooting really well, but you know, a 14 point win on Christmas Day in Giannis's Christmas Day debut, and he puts up 30, 14, three assists, four steals, two blocks. Like he has a number of plays where he's just all over the floor and you're like, okay, yeah, like this is, this is kind of the, the Giannis experience. And it, I think it's good for a lot of people that, you know, they, that he got to have it on, on a national platform, like, and the biggest national platform possible really. Um, and you know, it did kind of feel like throughout the game, it was just like, yeah, like Giannis knows he, uh, he knows he's on stage at the moment. <laughs> he very much knows that there's some spots here where you know you can you can really kind of put your stamp on your superstardom or or whatever you may want to say. But like you, you could tell he knew that you know with some of those blocks, with some of the dunks, that hey, let's let's make some highlights for the people um, and let them know just how good uh, I am and how good this team has been this year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was ugly. It was an ugly, ugly game. But, you know, they they get that 36-22 third quarter, and, and that was pretty much that. And um, I guess uh, we can talk about some of the other games here in a little bit, but I guess in, in this, this Knicks game, uh, you know, just kind of – Chris Middleton's still in the slump, two of 12, one of seven from three. Ironically, the only one that he hit is the one that he gets fouled on uh, and gets a four-point play on that one. That's four of his six points on the day. And then uh, you look at Eric Bledsoe, quiet day, four of eight, 11 points, six rebounds, five assists, just, you know, kind of kind of quiet. And it was Giannis and then Brooke Lopez and Malcolm Brogdon uh, from the starters. And then Thon Maker had a great game off the bench. And, I mean, that's that's about it. Like, everyone else was, was kind of there and did some things. But, uh, you know, that was that was kind of the, the big three for the day was Giannis, uh, Brooke Lopez, and Malcolm Brogdon. And uh, it just kind of got them through. And that was, that was, to me, kind of what we were looking at the whole day was just like, okay, how, how can the Bucks get through this? Because I don't think there's an NBA player in the world that likes to play at noon. Um, <laughs> I think they all hate it. And, uh, and I know our, our friend Jared Dubin had tweeted out something about how, you know, the Knicks always have this noon Christmas day game. And more often than not, you see an ugly first quarter where neither team has any rhythm. No one's making any shots and it's just generally not great basketball. And, you know, I think that's, that's largely what we saw again today, but uh, you know, it's just one of many times where the Bucks aren't playing their best basketball and managing to win games. And, you know, that, speaks to just how good they are like 23 and 10 uh now on the season and you know there's been a lot of nights where they're not playing their best basketball and they're still winning games even that miami game they could have won that game they got it all the way down to one point and you know almost snuck out with a victory and they had no business winning that game they were terrible uh the entire night offensively um but you know I think it just speaks to how good this team is. And, you know, you look at some of the lineups that they end up playing, like uh, you look at like a fourth quarter lineup that I'm trying to think it was like DJ Wilson and Brogdon and Hill, or like there, there were just combinations uh, throughout the game where like, if you would have told us at the start of the season that, you know, all these guys were out there, you'd be like, Oh, you know, must have had a bunch of injuries or things didn't go well. Um, but 
they just keep getting contributors. And, you know, I think that that's kind of, to me, the story of the last month or so that, you know, as Chris Middleton has been in this slump and, uh, you know, Bledsoe's had some quiet games in the last little while. Like, you know, as some of those guys have done that, they've had other people contribute and they've had other people uh, step up. And, you know, I think that was kind of the story of the day here as well. Yeah. And this is, I think, one of the, you know, strengths of the team at this point is that, you know, especially against a lesser opponent like the Knicks, I mean, you know, um, I, I give Thon credit. I mean, you know, I, I was joking uh, when you tweeted out a picture of his uh, festive shoes that had gingerbread men on them. I had to take I couldn't help myself. I had to take the shot that gingerbread men don't have hands either. Um, <laughs> it was just there. I had to go for it. Um, and he had a couple of uh, nervous moments uh, early on. Um, I think badly missed a three, dropped a couple passes, but um, he stuck with it. And look, I mean, you know, he was going up against Luke Cornett, I think, uh, in a lot of his minutes. So um, not exactly, uh, you know, a, a very high bar to go against. Uh, but, you know, I thought he played played pretty well. And um, he had a couple of adventurous moments. I think there was one or two plays in the first half where he dribbled the ball probably a lot longer than you would have liked uh, and, and didn't uh, get a good result from it. I think one of the times he got fouled, which is probably about as, as good a result as possible. But um, he had a nice finish. Um, uh, in the second half on a dunk where, you know, it was n- not the kind of play that, you know, we, we have historically seen from Thon where there's guys around him and, um, you know, he kind of double clutches a little bit and, and finishes and um, hit a short jumper, blocked a couple shots. Uh, that was, I think, you know, that's kind of maybe how he turned it around a little bit more, maybe defensively and then the offense game a little bit. Um, so it was good to see Thon play well. You know, George Hill. Before, just wait, a before big you go to line. George Hill, yep. um, Thon's been solid for about a month now, right? Like, I'm not imagining that. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he's shooting. I think what, like, thirty-eight percent from three. And you know, ultimately, like, if he defends, and this is what I was, I, I tweeted earlier. You know, and, um, you know, cr- you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like half joking, half serious with kind of my Christian Wood uh, enjoyment. Um, you know, I mean, he's obviously done really well in the G League, but, um, you know, th- kind of as we always talk about, like, the role, like, if you're talking about like Thon's role, I mean, it's a role player role, right? I mean, yeah. they're not asking Thon to like create shots, um, face up and and get buckets, right? Which I mean, of course, Christian would would be infinitely better probably doing that than than Thon Maker. But you know what Thon is is kind of asked to do is is nail you know spot up threes, defend with energy, um, you know give them a shot in the arm sometimes when they've had maybe not great energy. Um, like that Pelicans game was probably a good example um, last week, and I think he's done you know a nice job there. Right, I mean, he's shooting thirty eight percent from three. Um, I think his plus minus numbers this year are you know. I mean, obviously, everybody's numbers <laughs> look, look better this yeah. year, um, but there hasn't been this like sense of like, oh, when Thon's on the floor, like, you know, get ready to hemorrhage points, right? And that's yep. that's been big, and, and I think that's a big thing, and, and that's why, again, like, you know, I'm I'm not going to fault Mike Boonholzer for kind of sticking with him, especially when, um, you know, if if they're playing well with him on the court, then I think that's that's the main thing you want from. Thon or whoever's in that role. Now, if Thon gets hurt and they throw Jason Smith out there, I'm going to be really annoyed because <laughs> Jason Smith doesn't really do anything for me. But um, I think it's nice to see Thon kind of stepping up. And, and again, like, you know, he's it's it's not high ceiling stuff by any stretch. Um, and tonight, certainly, you know, against Luke Cornett, like, okay, yeah, I mean, you're not going to take a whole lot from it. Um, but he had four out of five threes, hit some big shots, uh, almost brought rain with uh, one of his threes, <laughs> the high archer against the Celtics on Friday as well. We talked about him on Wednesday against the Pelicans that he did a nice job along with DJ. And, you know, our, our friend of the pod, Ben Thompson, pointed out, you know, that I think in the fourth quarter at one point, or maybe it's the end of the third, you know, there was a lineup with George Hill plus 
DJ Wilson and Thon Maker at the big spots, and then Sterling yep. Brown and Malcolm Brogdon um, on the wings. And you know, to to see the Bucks actually playing, and again, it's the Knicks, so you know, asterisks or whatever. But um, the fact that you could roll out like the Bucks draft picks from the 2016 and 2017 drafts, given how much heartburn we've had over obviously DJ and Thon in particular, um, the fact that you know you could roll up that group with with another guy. Um, who's you know not a starter in George Hill, and actually feel like oh you know this isn't this isn't like some horrible thing, and we're destined to see this group get run off the floor. Um, that's a big deal, and, and we've yeah. talked since you know Budenholzer came on board that you know that's that's one of his big challenges. One of the big things you liked about him was can he bring that developmental mindset and get something from these young guys? And um, you know again, um, I'd say just broadly speaking, obviously over the last couple of weeks, um, you know. Wilson emerging as a guy that you can actually put on the floor with different combinations and, you know, Thon continuing to be, to be solid. Right. Um, I think that's, that's absolutely huge. And then Sterling Brown as well. We knew, we know, we know what Malcolm is to a large extent, but um, seeing Brown maker and, and Wilson obviously play is, uh, is a big deal. And I tweeted as much today. I mean, if you get value out of those guys um, that, that kind of changes, um, you know, I think the, the upside of this roster in a lot of ways, not, not that all those guys have big upside or something like that, but just being able to get like rotation minutes from all those guys on cheap contracts and, you know, have them under salary control, uh, at least in the case of Brown, Maker and Wilson for another year or two, at least that's, that's definitely a big help. Yeah. I mean, it, the, I just always think of kind of, uh, that, that disastrous summer that the Bucks had where like they were signing role players because they knew like, Oh, okay, well we got to find guys that can play with Giannis. And it's like, okay, so you paid for Mirza Talatovic and you know, he's, he's only a role player and you paid for Matthew Delvadova and you know, well, he's only a role player and you, you pay for miles plumbing, and you know, well, he's only a role player. Like all no, like paying for those positions is just kind of, I mean, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal to be paying for role players and knowing that their role player is going in. Like that's just, it's a killer for a cap sheet. And, you know, if at the bottom of the roster, you can have some roster churn or, uh, you know, you have some sort of just group of young players that doesn't make a whole lot of money, then all of a sudden you really are looking at a team that, that can be really good. And you are looking at a future that's a little bit more sustainable. And, and that's really the goal is that, okay. Um, you, you know, I always joke about, my dream the cap sheet being you know maxes and minimums like that's it that that's that's always kind of what i've talked about where it's like okay if you're in that spot then you know you're paying some some guys at the top that are really good and you know the guys at the bottom like you're still getting uh production out of them and that's great and you're doing it at a, at a cheap rate and again that's probably never going to happen in milwaukee like i don't know if they're gonna be able to get three max guys that you feel real good about uh at any moment uh but you know, like this this summer, if you do have to go sign Giannis and Chris, or excuse me, not Giannis, uh, if you have to sign Chris and Eric and Brooke and Malcolm, like you know, you can feel a little bit better about those guys at the bottom of the rosters. So um, I'm happy that that Thon tangent took us there, just because you know I thought I thought Thon's been solid for a while now, and again, like it's it's not the the MVP upside that Kevin Garnett talked about or anything uh, with Thon Maker, but you know, there is, it does appear to be a, a contributor in the NBA there. And um, you know, this was one of the things we talked about last year where it's like, you don't really see good role guys on bad teams or poorly coached teams and, you know, well-coached teams tend to have good role players. And, you know, I think a lot of those things kind of go hand in hand that uh, 
bad teams typically don't have good role players because bad teams don't have enough good players to be good and uh, allow those role players to flourish. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of a, a good thing that we've seen uh, in the last little while uh, kind of with all of that. And, um, you know, the just keep getting guys that can do stuff, which is just kind of crazy. Like, I, I don't know if we... I don't know if we kind of saw seeing DJ Wilson get 15 minutes a night for, I mean, a week stretch here against good teams and play key minutes and, you know, all of us be okay with it and happy with it and, and think, you know, okay, this, this actually works. And, you know, like we're going on a week now of DJ Wilson doing that. So um, good stuff for the bucks there. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about Chris Middleton. Um, Chris Middleton, two for 12, one of seven from three, um, obviously just could not be struggling more at the moment um, as he's just missing shots all over the place and, you know, can't really find any sort of flow or find his way back into, uh, you know, just kind of like, you know, we, we understand that I think slumps do happen, but, you know, ultimately, you you think it's going to come around at some point, but it's uh, 30%, 34% from the field in December, not the three-point line for Chris, 34% from the field, 279 from three uh, in the month of December. And you may or may not know today is Christmas. Uh, so that means that's a 25-day sample. Um, so it's a pretty good-sized uh, sample where, you know, he is slumping. And, uh, you know, I've had some people on Twitter say, oh, you know, this isn't a slump. This is who he is. And it's like, okay, well, that's just ridiculous it's a moronic thing to say because he shoots 40 percent uh from three for his career um so it, it very clearly is a slump um but you know like anytime these games kind of happen uh you know i, I think there's there's always the the thought from bucks fans like this is the reason why you don't pay chris middleton and uh you know this is exactly what it means and all these different things and i guess i'm curious you know um i think middleton is always going to be this guy for bucks fans um but i guess overall like are you thinking anything about chris middleton in his slump though other than He's going to get out of it at some point. Yeah, I mean, you certainly hope so. I mean, Chris even said the other day, like people, people in Milwaukee are kind of used to this, right? Like he has his slumps and then he comes out of them. And um, you know, I think the interesting too is, you know, the month of December, Chris is averaging 15 shots even per game. You mentioned um, the three-point shooting. He's he's 34% from the field, 28% from three. Um, nearly half of those 15 shots are threes, 6.8. So he's still shooting a lot of threes. He is, I think trying to get more of those like quote-unquote rhythm you know eye roll uh, mid-range jumpers to try to find some rhythm i guess um and obviously mm-hmm. kind of mix miss mix success in that regard um but interesting left 31 minutes a game thir- 15 shots per game Giannis is only averaging 14.1 shots in 34 minutes per game this month and a lot of that is because of the way teams are defending him and taking the ball out of his hands to some extent, especially like in the Miami game and the, the Indiana game. Um, and obviously he also gets a ton of free throws. He's averaging almost 10 free throws per game this month. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting thing to watch, right? I mean, Middleton's taking more shots per game than Giannis this month. And Giannis is shooting 60%. Chris is 34%. So, yeah, I mean, not surprising the Bucks' offense has tailed off a bit when the guy taking the most shots is uh, is a guy who's, you know, fighting his way through uh, through a slump. And, yeah, I mean, again, we have a lot of history with Chris Middleton to know that, 
you know, he's a better scorer, better shooter, better player than this. Um, so we'll kind of see, you know, what happens. I, again, I have to think Chris will, will bounce back from this. Um, you know, he always has in the past. Um, but it's, it's an interesting thing, certainly in the context of, you know, coming into the season, we thought, oh, this is Chris Middleton's great best chance for becoming an all-star. This is Chris Middleton's chance to, you know, establish himself as, you know, not, I would say not a max player in terms of real ability, but at least a max player in terms of, um, you know, a team, especially if it's not the Bucks, an elite team out there that, has cap space that you know there and there are some out there like the Lakers and others. Um, if they don't get a you know a big fish, like a real superstar, like would they go to a guy like Middleton as sort of a consolation prize? And um, I'm not sure that has necessarily changed a whole lot because um, we know the market can be crazy and there's going to be a ton more cap room this year than previous years. Um, but I mean, right now I don't I don't think Chris Middleton's trending towards an All Star spot. You know, I don't think we've done the the exercise of kind of looking through, you know, all the, all the various guys, but um, you know, the gap between Giannis and and the second best player in the box is, is pretty big right now. And I think it's between Giannis and Eric Bledsoe. I don't think it's between Giannis and Chris, um, which I don't think we expected to say uh, necessarily. Uh, And Bledsoe has certainly had kind of some, some up and down games as well, but you know, Bledsoe, when he doesn't have a big scoring night, it's usually because he's not taking shots, right? Like he hasn't, he doesn't force shots or he has not been forcing shots. Um, in the way that that Chris has this month, and and it's understandable. I mean, Bledsoe. Again. I would also say that may not be a good thing. Like you should shoot. Like if you're a good player, you should shoot. Yeah, I mean, again, like I think there's ways for Bledsoe to kind of like find rhythm, find flow. He doesn't play as much as those other guys either. Um, you know, he only averages 12 shots per game overall, but he's yeah. still shooting 50% from the field this season. Um, and you know, today four out of eight from the field, really, it seemed like it took forever before he even took a shot. Um, and again, like I don't want his first made field goal was like halfway through the third quarter. Yeah. And again, like I don't want Bledsoe being a guy that, um, you know, is forcing like certainly mid range shots. Obviously we talked about that a lot last year. Um, he's been, I'd say unsustainably good on pull up threes this year, which has typically been um, a weakness for him, but um, you know, again, it's it's kind of those things like I, I, you know, the teams obviously continue to play pretty well, and I think Bloodso's shown generally a pretty good feel for kind of balancing playmaking and looking for a shot. But again, I mean, obviously, if we're going to be greedy, yeah, I mean, it would be nicer if Bloodso was a little bit more consistently being able to get to his shots. Um, but again, I, I think you know, overall, I don't I don't think there's a whole lot of debate that that Bloodso's been the Bucks' second best player. If you, I think that's a good litmus test for whether you watch the Bucks is if you if you don't watch the Bucks. It's probably like a default, you know, yeah, Chris Middleton clearly has been the Bucks' second best player. But if you watch these games, like, you know, between the defense and kind of what he's done offensively, making better decisions and being efficient, um, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily really that close. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I think Bledsoe today, not a big game, but, you know, we kind of see, again, like guys, you know, the like typical guys don't play very well. You know, your number two, number three options don't play that well. And, Brooke Lopez, you know, oh, just pops up and scores 20 points, right, on 10 shots um, with a season high. I, I'm not even going to check. I know nine out of nine free throws has to be a season high for him. <laughs> um, only one three had a couple blocks. Um, I thought he did a really nice job today. And, and obviously Brogdon coming back from the hamstring injury, only one out of five on threes, had some good looks. But um, 17 points, six boards, four assists, three steals, uh, plus 15, tied with Giannis. Uh, Almost the, almost the best. George Hill was plus 16. But, um, you know, again, like, especially on these nights against a bad team where you can hold them down defensively, it's definitely a nice thing when you can just say, like, okay, you know, Chris doesn't have it. Bledsoe's not really finding a lot of room. All right, Brooke Lopez, he's going to go look for a shot. Malcolm Brogdon, he's going to get buckets. Thonmaker's going to pop up and have a decent game, right? 
mm-hmm. that's obviously I think a strength of this team is um, you know depth in, in ways that probably a lot of people didn't think it would be coming into the season. Yeah, and you know I, I just think it's I think it's gonna be really interesting to to kind of watch and like uh, you know I, I think it it's always funny like in these games you know where. Um, where Chris has a bad night, like I, I already know like what Buck's Twitter is going to look like. Like uh, I think we all do. Like oh, you can't, you can't give him all this money, and you can't do all this stuff. And you know, like I, I just think it's gonna. Like I don't, I don't really know how it all ends up going down this summer. But I do kind of have a, a pretty good idea how many teams have cap space, and I have a pretty good idea how many free agents there are out there. Um, and you know, I. I think the the one thing I always struggle with is, you know, a lot of people will say like, okay, you can't give Chris that money. And it's like, okay, who are you giving it to? Because I don't think you can, you can leave this summer empty handed. Like you, you got to find another person to, to be a part of, of this team with, you know, and again, uh, Eric Bledsoe, like he's got to get signed too. But like, you know, if, if you're going to have this team going forward, like you need, two more guys to go with Giannis and okay. If it isn't Eric Bloodstone, it isn't Chris Middleton. Like that's fine. And I'm, I'm generally okay with that idea, but um, I, I tend to think there isn't uh, a lot of uh, forethought put into that part uh, when, when complaining about Chris or it, and blood. So it's not quite as much. It certainly was during the off season, but when complaining about those guys, it's, it's never, okay, don't sign Chris. Cause you'll go do this. Like that other thing, like you better make sure it, it works because if if you go out of this season or this off season and and your your master plan not to pay Chris Middleton doesn't work, uh, it's gonna be a pretty rough year next year, and obviously that's not great for the summer of twenty twenty. Yeah, and um, I think that's the question is, uh, you know, if if Chris, if let's just say Chris, like trends and you know like his overall numbers a season are kind of around where they are now right like so he you know i'm sure he'll get have a better stretch but maybe he doesn't you know kind of get back to what he was doing at the very start of the season um what is that worth right and i think as fans and sometimes people ask this you know like well why do as fans like why do we always like take the side of like ownership slash gm the gm and you know in terms of like not wanting to pay players and things like that And i mean i think the answer is pretty simple it's like well you know if you're a fan of a team then it's hard to put a team together if you're paying everybody all the money, right? I mean, that's just that's just the reality, right? You want to get good deals because then you can add more players and um, have less constraints, luxury tax, and things like that. And so, um, I, I think you know most fans in that regard, myself included, would say, "Yeah, John Horst, uh, go keep Chris Middleton, but don't pay him that much money, right?" Sure. Great. Um, but you know, again, he's not a restricted free agent. Um, he's a guy that, that obviously can, can go someplace else if he, if he doesn't feel valued. And so that's, that's really the, probably the, you know, the big, the, the, the needle that you have to thread is how do you kind of get a, to a number that you can live with? Um, and, and dollars and years are both important in that regard. Um, but how do you get to a, a number that, that you can live with and that you can kind of manage moving forward, um, without just writing the guy a blank check and also without like insulting him because you come in at a number that the guy's like, screw that and now i don't even want to come back <laughs> come back here yeah. right so um so that's that's the big challenge that you know again it's it's really easy to uh to monday morning quarterback from from our side from a fan perspective but i mean okay this is this is why you know the front offices have have the you know why gms get paid 
better than than uh, than we do. Um, and uh, and you know, we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. I think um, you know, with with Bledsoe, it's 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 even more I think challenging with Bledsoe because you have sort of his age question and sort of his injury yeah. past. That's kind of also like a complicating factor. But I think that also means like like. The Lakers aren't going to go give Eric Bledsoe thirty million dollars a year. I could see Correct. the Lakers giving Chris Middleton thirty million dollars a year. They're not going to do that with Eric Bledsoe, regardless of you know clutch sports connections. I don't I don't <laughs> see that. So, um, so I think Bledsoe you know is easier to keep at a good number. But again, that's there's a reason for that as well. So, um, so I don't know. I, a couple of just random notes. Let me just kind of throw these out here um, from from the weekend. Just I, wait. I, the Boston no, I want to talk Middleton first. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay. So I I kind of mentioned this during the live podcast, and you know I one I hope you're able to come out to it, and you know if you weren't, I hope you're able to listen to it. Uh, shout out to Nick for making the sound quality great on that. Um, so hopefully you all enjoyed that. But you know the one thing I mentioned during the live pod is that you know like I I understand this topic is not going to go anywhere for the entirety of the season because um, you know like when the team is good, like there's not a ton to talk about. And, you know, you're also trying to think through like how this team's going to go for the future and stuff. So like, those are the things that are obviously going to be on your mind, but you know, um, to me, like next summer is the summer you have to, you have to put your, I don't even know what cliche metaphor you want to go with. You have to push your chips in like next summer. Like you have to make your decisions. Like you have to figure out who I'm riding with for uh, the future in many ways, like, okay, how, how are we constructing this team? And that's terrifying. Like flexibility is fun. Flexibility is really cool. Like not having, you know, committed money and big contracts and, you know, the, the ability to be a part of every trade conversation and, you know, just, just think through all the hypotheticals as a fan. Like, that's awesome. That's so much fun. But when you lock in Chris Middleton for 28, at, at a sub max or you, you lock in Eric Bledsoe um, at 15 or 18 or 20 or whatever it is. Like when you lock those things in, like they become real and they are now real parts of your future. And I, I understand that that's going to, like, it's scary. It, it absolutely is because you're making franchise altering, changing, uh, you know, decisions like that, that is kind of what this summer is about. So I, I understand that we're going to continue talking about it this entire year and I'm totally okay with it. Um, I, I would just continue to say like, you know, if, if you want to talk about it and you want to say, I don't want to pay X player, wh- whoever it is, Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez. I don't want to play. I don't want to pay player X this amount of money. You got to tell me who you want, and you got to tell me how you're going to spend your money. Because otherwise, like this is just a, a conversation that to me doesn't you know make a ton of sense. So um, go ahead. Weekend thoughts, notes, etc. Yeah. Um, so Tony Snell had a very quiet game in New York. Uh, didn't make a shot, but. Um, was six for six against the Celtics. Um, he's had actually a, a nice sort of string of games, especially with Brogdon missing some time. Um, you know, we've talked about Tony, I think, a fair bit. Um, so I don't want to, you know, we don't have to talk a lot more about that. Although it's weird to say that, right? Like, oh, we talk about Tony Snell all the time. <laughs> like, nah, we never really talk about Tony Snell that much. But um, but yes, uh, Snell, nice job on Friday. Um, and Friday's game was so fascinating to me. Um, and I didn't really realize this until I was looking at the numbers after the game. But um, 
Friday uh, was a game in which the I think the Bucks had the, the, I forget what the exact number, but they had a massive turnover differential going against them. I think it was like I think it might have tied a season high with the most turnovers allowed. They had I think only forced like six turnovers, like twenty one to six or something crazy like that. And then they also committed the most fouls they have in any game this season. They committed thirty fouls, um, thirty plus free throws um, allowed, uh, which obviously has been a huge strength of theirs this season. So it was really interesting because it's like if you told me before the game that like oh the Bucks would be like minus fifteen in turnover differential and you know thirty to sixteen have a foul differential and you know get uh, many fewer free throws attempts as well, uh, I would have said oh Jesus like that that's a bad <laughs> sign. But um, instead, I mean. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure when the last time they, they led by fewer than double digits was um, because I think in the second half it never got below like 10 or 11 points. And, you know, every time there was a run, it seemed like they were able to get a defensive stop and then, um, you know, Snell or somebody else hit a three and, and they were able to kind of manage it. Um, so it was kind of a, a weird game in that regard. We, you know, we've talked about how the Bucks, you know, especially on, on Christmas against the Knicks, they missed just tons and tons of shots, but it you know, ultimately didn't matter a whole lot. Um, and it feels like there's been some kind of weird games like that, which, again, I think is kind of a reminder, too. Like, when you have a team that, you know, is, again, like a top five offense and top five defense, um, you can win, you know, you suddenly can win games in different ways, um, which is a yeah. nice, nice thing to be able to say. We've talked a lot about having depth and, you know, having more guys who can step up and sort of the, you know, the, the, the result of that is that you can kind of win different ways. Uh, and obviously the Bucks want to win by, you know, shooting a lot of threes and forcing you to take mid-rangers and playing with fast tempo and, you know, having Giannis sort of dominate in the paint and everybody else sort of shoot around him. Um, but sometimes you can't do that. And as you said, I mean, even the Miami game, which was just, uh, you know, an absolute, like, absolutely appalling performance offensively Horrendous. in particular, um, they still end up somehow having a chance to win. And, um, you know, again, it's because defensively they were able to do things. You know, we had we had the DJ Wilson, uh, you know, 12 seconds of glory defensive clip <laughs> where he like, defended three different guys. And, um, you know, I think Wilson continues to play uh, with Ursan Hurt uh, and has been, you know, continued to be solid. I think um, I think we saw uh, in the second half on uh, it's kind of funny because it's like the DJ Wilson train has like just completely turned around to the point where it's like, I, I almost don't even see anybody like pointing out his flaws at, the, at this point, which yeah. is kind of funny. Um, you know, today I thought we saw a couple of examples of sort of some of the things that are challenging for him. You know, he did hit a three in the, in the fourth quarter. I think that sort of kept the Knicks um, at arm's length. Um, but he also had a, a few plays where he wasn't able to finish at the rim, got a, a couple of foul calls, thankfully. Um, another play where he just couldn't finish over guys yeah. um, at the rim. And again, kind of that, you know, lack of, of finishing strength kind of showed itself. And then, um, you know, a couple of times Noah Vonley just kind of said, oh, I'm just going to drive on you and just pretty much bulldozed him pretty easily. Um, which again, I don't think Noah Vonley is going to do that against, against Giannis or even try to do that <laughs> against Giannis. Um, so again, I think Wilson, again, I think Wilson's, you know, kind of energy and, and effort, um, like DJ reinventing himself as like a tryhard is like <laughs> been, huge and really encouraging because you know he does have some skill especially offensively obviously that that he can put to use um and hopefully we'll see him kind of look a bit more confident from three hopefully make some more free throws because he's kind of been missing some of those that he's gotten yep. of late um but that, that was kind of interesting to uh to watch as well and um yeah i, I guess I, I don't really want to talk anymore about that miami game um but i thought you know it's interesting Giannis always uh kind of bounces back it seems when he has a bad offensive game we saw him you know pacers 12 points comes back with 44 against uh the cavaliers 
nine points against the Heat, um, and then comes back with with thirty uh, with in relative ease against the Knicks today. Um, you know, I, again, we always talk about like obviously we don't want Giannis like being a guy who forces mid range jumpers or you know is relying on his jump shot too much because that's not his game, but. Um, you know, today to his credit, he actually made some jump shots and I thought it probably loosened him up a little bit. Um, and you know, again, like it's, it's that hard thing. Like if you're going to be a premier scorer, offensive centerpiece, um, you know, to some extent, like you have to have it a little bit, (laughs) a little bit, uh, we we obviously, he hasn't made a three the past couple of games. Um, but, uh, you know, I I think it's one of those things where, you know, on nights where teams are just walling you off and daring you to shoot, like, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously are, are going to be better off if you can make some jump shots. And today he hit, he hit a, I think three jump shots, including um, a little step back uh, in the lane, um, which was not from too far out and um, looked pretty good on it. Didn't have any, like, I don't think he had any really bad misses today. Even the two threes he missed were, yep. you know, pretty good looks. It looked like he maybe thought about him a little bit too much, but um, we didn't see sort of the patented Giannis air ball slash super short three. Uh, which we see, I've seen probably too much, but, um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, it's like, you always kind of, I didn't want to, I really wanted him to play well today just because I would have hated to like have like, you know, a 13 point game where he, you know, can't make any jump shots and everybody's just like, well, that's his weakness. People have figured him out. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. Um, but, uh, but fortunately he kind of stepped up and um, was able to remind people that uh, he is the owner of the garden. Uh, and I, this is an opportunity for you to plug your, your story as well. Um, which I know you put a ton of time into. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm diverting a little bit, but you wrote for the Athletic a, an awesome piece around Giannis's kind of history at the Garden from the perspective with, with the perspective of lots of people who've been a part of that. And I, I don't know if there anything anything you wanted to add about that or um, kind of the process of it. Um, I mean, obviously. So for that story, I ended up talking to I don't even know what it was like twenty some people or uh, something like that, and we go through all of. I shouldn't say all of because Giannis has had so many moments against the Knicks and moments in the Garden, but probably the three most famous ones. And, you know, the first one where uh, he gets the chase down block and then he uh, grabs the the loose ball and then he goes behind his back and then he dunks on Cole Aldrich and then uh, the game winner and then dunking over Tim Hardaway Jr. And um, as far as plugging goes, uh, Steve Novak told one of the all-time stories uh, I think I've ever heard. Uh, I don't know if I've ever laughed more uh, than that. And it is the very last uh, is the very last snippet of the, the entire story. It closes out uh, the story that I wrote. He tells uh, exactly what Gus Johnson does uh, when he was calling that play. Uh, where where he's calling Giannis's uh, dunk over Tim Hardaway Jr. and if you remember it, uh, it's just largely screaming because uh, you know that's kind of what Gus does. Um, but you find out that, and again, I, I don't want to totally ruin the story for you, but uh, it it turns out that Gus fell out of his chair um, calling it. So uh, Steve, no- Steve Novak describing it is, is quite entertaining. So go, go check that out. Uh, Vince Carter makes an appearance uh, when talking about jumping over dudes. Um, I'm trying to think. I got to talk to like Ted Davis, Jim Paschke, Marcus Johnson, obviously Steve Novak. That was fun because, you know, those guys are kind of professional storytellers. So uh, they helped there. Uh, and then I think I have the all uh, I think this is the all time best Giannis quote ever. Um, I've tweeted it out, but uh, 
it was funny. He was talking about how, you know, he had recently just seen the clip of the game winner that he hit and he was looking at it. And if you remember the game winner, he hits in the garden, he hits it. And then he's kind of like backpedaling as his teammates come to mob him. And then uh, he kind of gets like spun around. And if you watch the video closely, you can see his face turn from like a smile from when he first hit it to more serious like i I don't want to say there's like a mean mug but it's just like a a more serious like stoic face and he said that he was watching the clip and you know uh he was trying to figure out like i I asked like you know like why why does your face like kind of change from a smile to that and he said that um he said like you can see my face changed i realized fuck I just hit a game winner in the garden. I'm the fucking man right now. Fuck all this smiling shit. I'm the fucking man right now. And it was just like, that's incredible. That is an absolutely incredible thing to think. And he said, like, you know, like now when I I watch the clip, like I always look for that, like that moment where you can see my face change and you can literally see his face change. So the picture for the story, if you click on it over at the athletic uh, Wisconsin is his face, like the more stoic face, but you can see in the clip it moving from a smile to that face. And I mean, good God, that is uh, maybe one of my favorite quotes uh, of all time that, you know, I'm the fucking man right now, which he, he undeniably was. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be uh, the next chapter in, you know, his storied Madison Square Garden history, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, a 30, 14, 3, 4, and 2. Um, you know, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> and, and I think it'll... Uh, and again, I, I didn't get to watch the bro- broadcast. I heard Chauncey Billups is really good um, on ESPN. And I know that you watched on Fox Sports Wisconsin because you love uh, you love yourself some Jim Paschke, some Steve Novak, some Katie George. Uh, uh, yeah, I got to support the home team. I, I You know, because I, whenever it's national games and I'm, you know, outside of Wisconsin, I can never watch... The FS Wisconsin oh, because sure. it's obviously blacked out on League Pass, so um, it was nice here the, the the Friday game as well in Boston, and this game um, was able to to keep it real with uh, <laughs> with my homies at uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin. So shout out Jim Paschke, uh, Steve Novak, Dario Melendez, Katie George for holding it down on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas to to them as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that was fun. But I I wish I had uh, recorded it because I would have liked to just like rewatch it just to like see how the the national uh, commentary would have looked like. But yeah. Uh, but either way, you know, Giannis had a good game, a strong game. And, you know, it it wasn't. Uh, and again, we are to this point. I mentioned it earlier where, you know, we're just kind of like checking off. OK, they won. Yeah. OK, check it off. Move on to the next one. And, you know, we're at a spot where, uh, you know, as I was going through the story that I wrote over, over at The Athletic, like I was putting like his stat line for games and it would be like, oh, 23 points and uh, 10 rebounds and this many assists. And it was like. Oh, that's a really good like that's a really good stat line, and now that's just normal. Like, that's a normal stat line. Like the game that he had, the game winner, twenty-seven points, thirteen rebounds, four assists, three blocks, one steal. It's like, oh my gosh, look at this. Giannis has this moment. He's you know announcing himself to a national like to to the world, and you know twenty-seven and thirteen. Like that's what he averages now. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy to think where he is and you know what he did today is just kind of normal but 
you know, he played good. He had a couple highlights, and ultimately, uh, I think that's that's enough for for that stage, and I think that's enough for us for the, today. Unless there's something else you want to talk about. No, uh, Merry Christmas to you as well, Eric. Uh, fighting the good fight, traveling with the team. Um, also, shout out to uh, Matt Velasquez and a uh, friend friend of Pod Kane Pittman, of course, as well. Um, I won't. I don't know if I can call Matt a, a friend of the pod, given uh, given the you know the whole. Uh, you know, Hatfield McCoy stuff that you, you have going on with Matt, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I hope, I uh, hope you guys have uh, safe travels today. And, uh, again, whether we're you... actually on the same flight, it's oh. going to be delightful. Oh, we're going to get to hang out in LaGuardia for a little while. It's going to be great. Excellent. So anyway, um, we're, we're working hard to talk about the bucks on Christmas day. And thankfully they gave us a win to talk about. Cause I don't, I don't know how, <sighs> how eager I would have been to talk about another loss to the next, but, um, but yeah, I hope uh, everybody has a great holiday. Uh, both you and and everybody who is in New York supporting the Bucks, um, and then also obviously everybody out there listening to us. It's kind of funny we we didn't really talk about the live pod. You mentioned it briefly because um, like I, I totally didn't even think that oh yeah like we haven't we haven't recorded since then. But um, I don't know if we need to maybe we can think about that a bit more on our next podcast because um, obviously it was great seeing uh, so many people out uh in person uh it was nice to podcast with you in real life for only the second time ever um and uh hopefully people enjoyed it and um shout out to uh to uh to to nick for for helping us record because i know that was a little touch and go um in the afternoon before (laughs) it was so um so yeah that's that's it for me happy holidays eric hope uh hope you travel well and hope everybody out there uh and has a great uh, great festive uh season welcome thanks buddy i appreciate it uh merry christmas to everyone listening and like you said if you don't celebrate christmas uh merry tuesday um hopefully you enjoyed your day off because i think most people you know whether or not you celebrate you're probably getting christmas off anyways so um hopefully you enjoyed your tuesday hopefully you enjoyed uh the bucks 109 95 win over the knicks um and hopefully you enjoyed the win over the celtics and Hopefully you found family things to do on Saturday night and didn't watch uh, the loss to the Heat. Uh, but anyways, Bucks 2-1. and one, uh, They've now won. Oh, my gosh, I'm trying to go back. They were in that stretch where they are going every other uh, for a little while. Um, once they got out of that with that last loss to Golden State on Friday, December 7th, uh, they beat Toronto. They beat Cleveland. They lost in Indiana. They beat... Cleveland again, they beat Detroit, they beat New Orleans, they beat Boston, they lost to Miami, and they won in New York. So uh, seven of the last nine. And, you know, that that helps that record look even better, 23-10 and 10 now on the season for the Milwaukee Bucks. So for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.